My lovely friends, welcome to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. Today's guest is awesome. Today we are speaking with Trevor Hall, the musician, you guys, Trevor Hall, like one of my favorite musicians. I am beyond thrilled. I am feeling so blessed to have had the opportunity to speak to such an exceptional, soulful, driven, passionate man, musician, artist. Um, husband, all these wonderful things. I'm just really grateful in this moment and I'm so excited to be able to share this interview with you guys and let you in on our conversation. Raised on an island in South Carolina, singer-songwriter Trevor Hall realized at a young age that music was more than just a passion. It was rather his life's art. At 16, he recorded his first album, soon after which he left South Carolina for an arts academy in California. There he studied classical guitar and was also introduced to the practices of yoga and meditation, which would greatly influence his life and his music. Hall's music, a blend of roots and folk music with hints of inspiration from India, has led him to a series of sold-out tours and collaborations with artists such as Steel Pulse, The Wailers, Jimmy Cliff, Maris Yahoo, Michael Franti, Xavier Rudd, and Nako in Medicine for the People. Trevor Hall is currently touring around the U.S. and Australia, also collecting donations to support children's education in India. Hall's latest album, The Fruitful Darkness, became the number one Kickstarter music campaign of 2017, number 30 of all time out of 53,000 music projects and is being released in three song installments on specific lunar dates, culminating in a 14-song deluxe edition release June 1st of 2018. If you are not familiar with Trevor Hall's music, I have been given permission to put a clip of one of his recent songs in the intro to this. So I'm going to be substituting my music today for Trevor Hall's music. He has this song that I am in love with right now called my heart your heart and i'm going to be playing a clip of that so just enjoy it listen really feel his music before we dive into this interview i think you're going to love it the only announcement that i have to share today is that if you would like to get more insight from my work and what i'm doing in the world and connect with me then you can go over to my website of course maddiemoon.com and you can download your free gift for pillars of femininity for perfectionists or you can also get my top 100 plus favorite books that's absolutely for free both of those are free gifts so you're more than welcome to choose either one of those or none and you will be able to dive deep into those resources at your own speed, your own time, because you'll get them instantly. That's all I have to share today. Let's go head on over to this amazing song and then an amazing interview. My heart, my heart. 
you found me in the dark It was winter You trusted me and came to those three rivers We were both seeking that divine meeting And I had a feeling that we had both been there before Walked through that door I followed you into the forest I adore And now we're shameless Our love changeless Inside roots of ages My heart Okay, y'all, this is happening. We are here with singer-songwriter Trevor Hall now, and I'm kind of blown away at this opportunity to be here with him after listening to his music for several years now. And this is just, it reminds me in moments like this how truly blessed I feel to have technology in my life to be alive at the same time as Skype because here I am with with you, Trevor. Hi, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Happy to be here. This is yeah. This is I've been um, been pretty excited about this interview. Everyone on my Instagram knows that I've been like really, really trying to tap into what kinds of questions I want to ask you. And I love having organic conversations, but with someone that I've I've really looked up to you. Just your music is so inspirational, uh-huh. and and uh, it it has a way of of even with someone who doesn't really pay too much attention to lyrics and music. pay attention to the lyrics like I really feel like when I'm listening to your music I'm slowing down and I'm listening to everything that you're saying and I'm I'm more than just listening I'm really feeling it so first off thank you for what you do oh thank you so much that means so much so appreciate that the very first thing that I want to talk to you about is just your your history um I want to know more about how you realized at a young age that you were you were made for music and and what steps really led to you becoming such a well-known singer-songwriter in this beautiful field of, I would say, maybe spiritual music or, or mm. you know, feeling music? Yeah, well, I my dad is a musician, so he was a he's a drummer. So um, growing up, it was just like you know me and diapers playing the drums type thing. So music was kind of inseparable from life you know it was just natural it was the thing that um it was just every day you know and so there wasn't really like a point in my life where I was like oh I want to be a musician because like I said it was just inseparable from living from breathing it was in our house all the time and surrounded by it and um I just, ever since a young age, I just took to it. You know, I loved playing different instruments. I loved exploring different genres of music. And my dad had this, like, huge record collection. And as a little boy, I would just, like, pull out a record, like a cover that looked cool, you know, and just put it on the stereo. And just, just, it was like a playground, you know, of, of sound. So, um as time went on, you know, and getting into my teenage years is when I really kind of started to write 
my own music and kind of start exploring my own creativity, um, which was just so liberating and um, for I think it was like my fifteenth birthday or something like this. My dad surprised me for my birthday by letting by taking me to like his friend's recording studio, and I was able to record a couple songs and we just gave that out to you know friends and family and but that's definitely kind of what started the i guess me releasing my own music you know my dad was really influential in that but like i said there was no point where i was like oh i want to do this for a living it was just me you know i just always knew that i was a musician and um that's kind of how it started and then you know one thing led to another and getting signed at a young age and um everything kind of happened pretty quick when you know after high school so that's kind of the journey that's that's the foundation was definitely my dad mm, beautiful so yeah. i'm really i'm thinking right now about um parents who see so much potential in art and ability in their children and from my own family experience and, and just from understanding how a lot of families work in general, when a parent can see so much potential or, or um, gifts inside of their child, they really want to like push them, pressure them to make something out of it. You know, when you think of parents of piano, like kids who can play piano really well and going all the recycles and doing all this. And, and at a certain point for some kids, they can end up becoming very resentful to, to their mm-hmm. gift because they feel pressured. Yeah, very and true. So yeah, how true. is it in your upbringing? Sounds like it was very intuitive and coming from a place of, of pleasure rather than like, you're so good, you have to do this. But I'm right. curious so in your own words, how did that work? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I definitely see that, you know, for sure. But my parents, I think the difference uh, or the thing that happened with me was there was never like a pushing element, you know. It was like, it wasn't like, you're so good at this, like, let's send you to music school, you know. It was me who wanted to go to music school, you know, and they, you know, ended up saying, well, we're here to support you, you know, of course, you know, if that's what you want to do and follow I was blessed in that way, you know, follow that route, then we're here. But it wasn't, you know, we want you to go to music school or um, you should be, you know, playing more concerts or, you know, stuff like this. I think there, it's just that subtle element of me leading my own um, path, you know, and then being right there saying, okay, like if, if you want to go this route, we're here. And if you don't want to go this route, we're here also you know so um yeah there wasn't really any pushing any type of uh you know them kind of living their dreams through me you know type of thing i think which is common with like parents and children and i think that's where things start to get a little resentful and and sticky um so I was blessed. Yeah, I was blessed in that way and, 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 and still blessed today. I mean, they're my biggest fans for sure. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that played a key into you really finding this is music being your passion is having so much space and room for it to be coming straight from your heart rather than anybody else's? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that 
the fact that I didn't have anybody else's kind of um, own, you know, what are, what do you call that? Uh, uh, not objectives. Uh, but they, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Of, yeah, they didn't have any of yeah. their own, you know, kind of agenda. Is that agenda? It? Yeah, 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 agenda. Yeah, you know, um, to not have any of that interference, you know, w- definitely helped make it clear for me what I wanted to do and what made me happy and. I knew that at any moment of my journey, if I didn't want to do it, do it, then it's okay. You Mm. know, so that freedom, I think, is really important when we're developing, um, not just in our art, but in our life and our path and and what we're being called to do, you know, because even if I was, you know, even if I, yeah, I was being called to be a musician and somebody said, yeah, yeah, you should like. I want you to do this, you know, even if that was my true calling, if that interference was happened, maybe, maybe people even doubt their own true calling, their true voice like this. So I think it's important to have that space to figure it out for yourself and live your own life. And I, yeah, I was just blessed to have that growing up. Mm. Thank you for sharing. I think that's really inspiring yeah. and, and great uh, to hear for, I'm not a parent, but for any parents out there, I think that's really beautiful um, insight and wisdom there. Yeah, how to for encourage sure. their kids. Uh, okay, so this is a very uh, big, broad uh, question. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly how to narrow it down into the way that I, I, I to make it easier, but I'm just going to throw it at you. Um, your philosophy with peace and love in this world, um, mm-hmm. how has that, that come to be in the way that you you feel so connected from what I, I can tell and from your music, from from just spreading this message of, of love and of peace and and um, and harmony with the world and being able to let go. How would you describe your philosophy with with love and love in the world? Um I think that the the way that I can approach this, I guess, a couple of different ways. So if I stray, just say, Trevor, get back on, get back on track. (laughs) But, um, you know, the people that surround us and the inspirations that come into our lives are the things that shape, you know, you know, how we ourselves want to live our lives. And I wasn't, I was very, I'm very rebellious and I was very rebellious as a kid. I didn't want to be told what to do. And I think a lot of people don't really want to be told what to do. Um, The way that I learned was the people that I learned from and the people that inspired me never told me what to do. They just lived their own lives in a righteous, loving way that inspired me to do the same. And you know, growing up that way and, and even now being inspired in that way has definitely shaped my attitude of love and um, service and what peace, I guess, really is, you know, because it can be taken in so many different um, directions. But, 
you know, growing up in the, I think also in like the West, you know, this term love is thrown around so much. It's, it's like, it's, it's just a quick word and, um, we have so many ideas of what love means, you know, being passed down from our parents, from how our parents loved us, to our friends, to the world at large, to community like this. But pure love, I think, a love is a love that seeks no return. You know, it is a love that has no self-interest um, involved. A love that is only that it's only given out, like I said, with not, that doesn't want anything back, you know, is a really true, true love. That's unconditional love. And I think in our lives growing up, it's very hard to experience that love, I think, in its purest state, because people can say, oh, I love you, or I give love, but suddenly there's, it, there seems, oh, there's some motive behind that if you love me unconditionally and i you know did something like whatever crazy that you didn't like would you still love me um so to to have experienced that love in in one's life is i think a great blessing and i've i feel like i've had that blessing i've had a slight taste of what that feels like and that that taste has um inspired me in my own life to love in that way and to um, to do the things that will help me love in that way, you know, to remove do the things that remove my own, I guess, like self-interest or um, in Indian philosophy, we say me and mine, you know, and pure love, there's no I and mine. It's only you, 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 you. So... Um, I don't know if I'm straying from the question too much, but I, I think that it's the things that affect how we view love and how we give love are the ways that others gave us love. And, um, you know, hopefully th that love was healthy and, and, and given in the correct way, but... Um, yeah, the the way that I've just been influenced by love and peace are the the people that have loved me truly, and and um, and my life trying to be a reflection of that love, which is oneness, you know, in essence. So um, that's what I strive for, I guess, in my music and also in my life, and it's a constant practice to be in that space. Mm, that was a perfect answer. Okay, good. I, yeah. I, was, I thought I was straying a little bit. <laughs> I gave you, I mean, it was like the question that I gave you, I was like, I have no idea how how to make this sound because it's so broad and you did yeah, a beautiful yeah. job. Okay, good. I passed. <laughs> you passed. You passed the love, the love test. The love test. <laughs> Not that I was asking to get anything in return. <laughs> I was just asking to ask. Um, yes, but this, I love that you bring this up because um, this is very much a, I guess to say, realization I've been having this year mm. of mm. this type of love. I've talked about on, on this on my show a few times, but I have most of my life, I feel like my adult life, I've really s sought out this romantic love, romantic love, romantic love. Where is it? I got to find it. And I try to turn, right. I've tried to turn all these people that I've met along the way in my journey into that kind of love and put them in a box 
to make them fit my ideals, even when they really were not ever supposed to be in that role in my life. But I had, I saw what I wanted to see. And, Mm. and then if it's not that kind of love in my past, I believe, then it was like acquaintance love where you don't really love them. You just acquaintances or there's friendship, but there's really nothing else around that. It's Mm. romantic love, friendship, acquaintances. And this past year, I would say I've really had these experiences show me that there is what you what you say unconditional love, you could say it agape love, this godlike mm. love where you really have s- compassion and and this innate just ability to care and s- to care for someone else even if you don't have a concrete relationship with them. They mm. are a reflection of you. We're all very similar. We're all the same. We're all on this journey and being able to understand it in that way, you can create so much more connection and compassion with people. Um, and I, I'm wondering from here, you're, so you're what I would call famous and <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you, you're in the famous world. I don't know what that world is like, but I'm sure you've, you've had lots of people in your life, tons of people who do not have the same philosophy as you come in and out of your life in, in various ways, whether through setting up concerts or touring or mm-hmm. people who just really want to get to know you. So boundaries are hard enough for, for me and for, people who are not really in the public eye, how have you created a relationship with boundaries so that you can continue to stay in this space of love, if that makes sense? Because I don't want to make it sound like, how do you push people out who don't fit your your love needs? But at the same time, I know that to some extent, we all need to protect our sacred space to stay where we want to stay. Yeah, I mean, it's an extremely good question. Um, and it's definitely something that should be thought over, especially when we're in a role that is people want, you know, a lot from you. Um, you know, there is one of my inspirations has said, uh, you know, be a devotee, but don't be a fool. And I think that there's also this parable of, um, you know, he also said, you know, God or the great spirit is within everything. It's even in the tiger. But are you going to go up and embrace that tiger? No, you're going to salute that tiger from a distance, right? You honor that tiger from a distance. So I think one of the, the trips that is kind of common in, in I guess, um, today is, you know, spiritual people, oh, they just say yes to everything. Right, because they're so nice, and we can just. And I don't think that's true. I don't, or I don't think that that's healthy. I think that um, it's really kind of that's kind of like what we say, spiritual bypassing or whatever mm. this this term, you know. So, um, you know, but I, you know, growing to answer your question, I mean, I thought, you know, oh, I'm this like spirit, whatever. I, I should just really say yes to everything. You know, and if people want something, I should say yes, because that's the right thing to do, right? Because I'm spiritual or whatever, you know. And it didn't work. I mean, it drove me completely mad, and it doesn't work. And um, you really have to, you know, love goes outward. It also goes inward. It also goes to yourself, and you have to respect your own capacity 
and your own person and how much you're able to handle. And you also have to kind of have a little bit of a radar, you know, and um, know what, you know, is pure and what is is not, you know. And, and, and that's not to say, like, we should reject everything, you know, that's not pure. I, I don't, I don't know if that's really that practical, but there's a, there is a way to listen to your gut and, and also salute the tiger from a distance. You know, if we cut somebody off, not cut somebody off, but if I say no to somebody or, or something like this, you know, it doesn't mean I can't send them love, you know, um, from a distance, you know, like this, this type of thing. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, it, like you said, it is important to have boundaries and draw your boundaries. You know, there's another parable that said, you know, on your path, you know, in the beginning of your path, you know, of life or like this, or like a tree, like, you know, you plant a tree and you put a fence around that tree. Um, because when the tree is like a baby, you know, deer or other things will come in and eat the tree, you know, if you don't put that fence there. But once the tree is grown, it's this huge tree. Nothing can shake it. Nothing can uproot it. There's no need for the fence anymore. You can take the fence down. But until we're that big, strong, rooted tree, you know, it's necessary to have a fence around, you know, a little bit of a fence to know what can come in and what has to kind of be kept out. So it's a practice. Yeah, it's a practice. And I don't think, I think that a lot of us get tripped up with like spiritual people just being like, yes, people that say yes to everything and they should, you know, but they're all, everybody's human. You know, we have to, everybody needs to have some type of boundary. You know, it's important. So it's it's a constant learning practice, yeah, for me to learn my own boundaries and learn when to say no. It's important. You just gave words to something that I have been trying to explain for so long, this, this tree example. It was mm. perfect because I, I try to put it into words saying when you're vulnerable going through a period of your life, you need to protect your sacred space. And that's just like a whole bunch of words, like blah, 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 blah. Like right. vulnerable protection, sacred space. I think some people just tune out. But that's what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. It's exactly that. It's like when you are this small, when you're seedling and you're growing and you're the tiny little like bush basically trying to turn yeah. into a tree, you need the fence to stay protected. And that's when you're like very assertive about your boundaries in a loving way saluting the tiger from afar i love that and then mm -hmm. as you get bigger there's really no need for the fence anymore because you've integrated you've you've integrated mm -hmm. all of these lessons and you know yourself in that certain area of your life so much that the external boundaries aren't really needed anymore they're built into you wow that's mm -hmm. like genius so grateful yeah for that. <laughs> it's good to know it's good to know. So I have a meditation teacher here in mm. Boulder, and um, she would like to know, as well as my, my other friend who teaches alongside her, they would like to know what kind of meditation you do and how often you practice. Um, well, there's, yeah, there's so many, obviously, different types of meditation and um, watching your breath or you know, visualization or, um, mm. but most of my practice revolves around repeating 
my, my mantras that were given to me um, uh. and um, the repetition of the divine name. That's pretty much my my main practice, you know. But everybody is different, you know. So what one practice, obviously that's why spirit and my eyes has revealed so many different paths, you know, to the same goal because um, not to use another parable, but it's like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Divine Mother has so many children, but all of her children have different stomachs, you know, some can handle fried food, some can only have steamed food, some can only have soup, some can have solid food, and she prepares the food according to the stomach of the child. So it's important to know that, you know, every what, what one person does may not be the best for you. It's important to find your own path and and uh, do what, what works for you, you know. So... Um, I my mind can get overwhelmed very easily, so I like to just keep it simple, and it usually just revolves around that re repeating the name. Mm, okay, yeah, I love it. I love this so much. That's what I do as well. <laughs> so, is it is the type that you practice? Does it have a name? Is it is it Vedic meditation? Well, I usually like to keep it private because um, you know, in our in in the way that I've been instructed in our spiritual life is not good to disclose too much of your personal practice because mm. they say that it loses its power. And it's like they say taking the embryo out the womb, you know. Um, you want to keep it in the womb. So I like to generally keep it private, but it's yeah, it's, it revolves around that divine name. Repeating the divine name. Very simple, not anything too crazy. <laughs> I really enjoy that perspective. I, I haven't, yeah. I've, I'm very new to this meditation world. Mm. I probably entered it a few months ago around mm. September because I had a lot of resistance to silence. Mm -hmm. And I would always say something along the lines of, well, my yoga practice is my meditation. Well, walking is right. my meditation. Right. And since I've experienced the difference between the two, mm. I, I I understand how it's it's very different. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're very different practices. You can feel like you're in a meditative state when you're doing yoga or you're walking outside. But the actual practice of being in the silence is is will, will show you a lot more. But mm -hmm. I enjoy hearing that keeping it to yourself is, is sacred. I think, of course, there's a time and place where you share more when you really want to, but it, it's very, it's a, it's a beautiful lesson that you can apply to other areas of your life as well. Vulnerability and speaking your truth and being honest and sharing everything is great with the right people that you trust when you want, but there's also a lot of beauty to keeping things to yourself and not needing any sort of external validation. I'm kind of going off of the meditation thing into a different right. realm. But no, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, it's just when I think about like instances in my life that are, um, I I feel uncertain about, or I would just need someone else to validate that it's okay and give me permission. I'll go tell this person and then this person. And I went through a period where I was like, this doesn't feel like it is, I think the word is conducive, conducive to my, mm. to my self acknowledgement and me being able to just give myself my own permission. And I went through a period mm -hmm. of keeping things to myself, even when I was like, I need to go tell people about everything. 
and giving myself that, that, um, sacredness of whatever I was going through or whatever I'm thinking or experiencing was a really intimate experience to be the one and only to know about it, but coming from a place of, uh, like doing it for myself, not to myself because I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I can be vulnerable, but doing it for myself because I want to cherish this moment of being vulnerable with just myself. Mm -hmm. I hear you for sure. That's the whole, you know, meditate. It's, it is so much about being vulnerable. So I totally hear that. Okay, so on to the next question. I have, All right. I have so many for you, so I'm trying to be very choosy and decisive. <laughs> um, I guess I, so one thing that I, I feel would be very helpful for my listeners to hear from someone like you is when you go through a process of discovering who you are showing up in the world as for Mm. me. It's a right now in this time in my life, it's a coach podcast host, retreat leader, whatever. Um, for you, obviously there's a very big part that's being identified as a singer songwriter. When you've built something that you've poured a lot of your attention and your heart and your soul into, how do you not become attached to this identity that you have created. So my question is, what is your relationship with how you're showing up in the world at this present moment like? And and are you able or do you make it a, a goal of yours to not attach any sort of labels to yourself and really just be at peace with the I am aspect mm-hmm. rather than I am this, I am that? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Not being attached is, you know, the question of the uh, life, you know, there's, there's so many um, great, you know, great beings and, 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 and uh, you know, texts and all these things have, it's, this is a huge subject. So I don't think it's like the easiest thing, obviously, you know, no. <laughs> um, our attachments are, you know, there are attachments. They also kind of, in some ways, make up who we are and mm-hmm. and and keep us in the world, I guess you can say like that. Because if we didn't have any attachments and this, then we'd be drifting off and we'd be, you know, it, it kind of keeps us, um, kind of keeps us going in some ways. So uh, not looking at them as totally negative, um, I don't think is that bad, you know. Um, but as far as being attached to, like you said, to like, I guess your persona or being in a, um, a role, um, that takes up so much of your life, obviously. Um, I don't, I, you know, there wasn't a point in my life where I was like, oh, I, I like want to be a musician. Like, that's what I want to be when I grow up, and that's, like, what I want, like, to be, my identity, you know. Um, There was never, like, a point like that. I always just, I, from my birth, from, you know, growing up, like, music is just who I am, to put it, you know, bluntly, to put it uh, simply. Like, there was no separating me from music. Um, It just is my life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not an identity to take it 
to your question, you know, it's not like an identity that I'm trying not to be attached to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just because it's who I am. It's, it's, I know in my heart, in my bones, like it's inseparable from my being. And if I wasn't a musician, if I got on a, you know, then, then it's like no life for me, in my opinion, you know. So I guess it's different for me answering the question because, um, music is my I am, mm-hmm. you know. Music is my, my truth, my innermost being is sound is vibration, is, you know, that ripple effect, you know, within. So music is my divine, beloved counterpart. (laughs) So it's not something that I'm trying to be unattached to. I guess you can, like, you know, when you're talking about, like, maybe in a professional sense, you know, kind of being like, um, a musician in the professional sense, like not being attached to that. Um, and like, you know, getting a big ego, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, that's something that you have to just kind of keep an eye on and keep yourself in check. And, you know, but it's different for me because, um, music is not just about me, you know, being up on stage and, recording albums and releasing these albums and like being a musician, I guess, in the public eye, you know, being a, a carrier of instrument is a much deeper thing to me than just, um, yeah, playing shows and like this. It's not something that I'm attached to. And if I was, I feel like it's not something that I need to like give up that attachment because it's my own nature. Oh, boy. (laughs) Like, your answer is just, it's just such a breath of fresh air to me. Um, What I originally meant was, like, the fame aspect, but I'm so glad that I didn't ask it that way because that, I feel like that needed to be said because there's so much talk in this world of not being attached to anything, anything, anything outside Mm -hmm. of, like, your heartbeat and, and that's it. And, and mm-hmm. if you're if you're one with anything else that is a part of you, then like you need to check that. And mm-hmm. from what you're sharing as like music is the I am. And I just got I got goosebumps when you said that because it's like I don't know, it's just so special to to hear about mm. you having such a intimate I, I don't even want to use a relationship. It's like, it is you. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's integrated into you and it has been since you were born. And I think when we all look at our life, not all of us, but I would say a lot of us have had something mm-hmm. that we've had that intense of a love for like mm-hmm. a deep, deep, deep love. And it could be someone outside of us. It could be uh, an art form could be something and then maybe somewhere along the journey it was stifled by the pressures of the world or parents or mm-hmm. failures and and then they went they go through this journey of separating from it and longing for it coming back to it and having this relationship with it where it's a little bit more twisted but i think there's always that way you can get back to it and and come back home to it and allow it to be into your life and i think you're providing this beautiful inspiration here for how you can do that and coming from this place of love and 
and not putting so much pressure on yourself to not be attached and to constantly checking yourself to make sure you're not attached. Mm. You're, you're providing something new and it's a different insight from what I'm hearing a lot of in the world today. So I want to say thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for asking the question. It helps me uncover, you know, my relationship to all these things. Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay, last question before I want to talk about um, your your tour that's mm-hmm. coming up. I just mm-hmm. want to ask you about traveling. I want to know where do you love to travel to? What is like one of your favorite destinations to travel to? While while touring or just in general? In general, anything about you? Like where do you just love to go? Well, my home for sure is India and Nepal, and those places are where I most feel comfortable and um, where I've been traveling for so long and I, you know, never get tired of going back. Um, those places are definitely my my inner heart. Um, but, um, you know, I just like travel in general. You know, travel is a good, it's a teacher. It, it opens up our mind, open up, opens up our eyes and, uh, to different modes of living and we it teaches us there's not you know one way of doing things everybody's relating to the earth and to the sky in a different way and no way is right and no way is wrong um, it's just it, it, it teaches you the variety and the vastness of our creation and it doesn't mean you have to go to like some epic place, you know, that we, you can go to a different town or a different state or a different, you know, doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, travel, I just, it's just, I've been lucky to travel so much ever since I was a young person. You know, my parents were very big on getting us, you know, out of the house and into different environments and, um, it's just, yeah, it's a great teacher. I mean, I love those places, obviously, but I also love a lot of places in the States, too. I love, like, the Pacific Northwest. I love the forests, you know. I love Maine, the northern woods of Maine. I love so many different places. I love Hawaii. You know, we have such a strong connection to the islands there. Um there's definitely a lot of yeah, a lot of those places are my favorite places, but I'm just proud, happy to be traveling anywhere. Yeah. Mm. Is there one specific place? I'm sure you love everywhere in India, but is there one mm. place for anyone who hasn't visited India where you would say if they didn't have too much time, where they should go for sure? Well, India is such a vast country, you know, and it has so many different landscapes and languages and food and culture you know just within india there's so many different uh places so you know there's the mountains the himalayas and then there's the plains and then there's the beaches you know so it's different but Mm -hmm. i think um you know the first place i went in india was a place called rishikesh which is kind of a popular place where the beatles went when they were in india but before the Beatles, all this stuff, it was a very holy, holy place. And it's right at the base of the Himalayas, right before you go in to the mountains. But it's a good place to kind of get adjusted, you know, because it's, it's kind of Western friendly and 
um, it's very beautiful and there's lots of things to do there and around there, you know, into the mountains. That's, I, I usually, if people ask me, oh, I'm going to India, you know, for the first time, where should I go first? I usually say go to Rishikesh, you know, just kind of get a taste and then, you know, start exploring. I love it. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah there's so many different places that you can visit there, but I, I've never been and I've heard wonderful things about there and that's definitely on my list for yeah. this year. I don't know. We'll see. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. Going with the flow. Okay. Um, I do have a quick fire round for you where I'm just going to shoot some random questions at you. Oh, I love this. It's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> um, but before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about the um, upcoming tour for this month and next month, I believe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this upcoming tour is really, really special. It's called um, A Night in the Village Tour. And it's different from our other shows because I'm playing solo and um, I'm playing a little bit small, more intimate venues. And um, I also have like a slide projector with us on stage and I show pictures of different people and different places that inspire different songs and kind of talk about more of my my own inspirations and my own inner journeys and what kind of inspires me not just through my music, but also as a person. So it's more of like a night of storytelling and um, and getting grounding out deeper with fans. And there's a Q and A at the end, so people can ask questions. So it's a really um, it's very very sweet, and we we don't do a lot of them. So it starts in Minneapolis, I believe, in this uh, later part of February, and it goes until like mid March, and we're kind of going from Minneapolis through the Midwest up into the Northeast. So um, get your tickets. It's selling out kind of quickly. So we're excited to to get out there. Awesome. That's so yeah. exciting. That's beautiful. Yeah, very exciting. Yay. That's so cool. Okay, so I will make sure I have the link to that on the show notes for this episode, which is mm-hmm. episode 190. Woo. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks. I love doing this. It's so yeah, fast. that's awesome. Because I get to speak with people like you and and hear your philosophies and wow, I feel super blessed to have had this conversation with you. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, super cool. Good for you. And um, okay, quick fire round time. Ready? Okay. I'm. Do I get a prize or no? The prize <laughs> is a virtual high five. Whoa, I'm so ready. <laughs> okay, here we go. What are two things that you do have on your bucket list? Uh, two things I have on my bucket list. Um, oh, God, I'm not doing I'm failing already. <laughs> um, two things on my bucket list. I would say... Um, there's places in India that I want to go up way up in the mountains, the Himalayas that are on my bucket list. And also, um, gosh, that's, I think that's it. I really have been so blessed. There's not much, I don't know what else, you know, to ask for. (laughs) Okay. That's a great answer. That's totally fine. Oh God. Okay. (laughs) Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. I love it. It's funny. That's a hard question to start the quick fire round with. I'm going to change that around. Put that maybe last after you've been warmed up. Okay. Yeah, I was expecting like favorite color or something like that. <laughs> what is your favorite color, Trevor? 
favorite color is like blue green. Blue yeah, green. Okay. Blue green. Yeah. Okay, this one might be hard too. <laughs> if you had one album to listen to for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Um, it would be um, Kumar Gandharva's Avadhut Bhajans, which is a, one of my favorite Indian singers. If you had to pick an animal that you relate with deeply, uh-huh. which, which animal would you pick? A deer. Ooh, why is that? I've just always had an attraction f- for them and their purity, I guess. I don't know. I just, mm. it's something that I just feel connect with. What's yeah. a must-read book? Um, by His Grace by Dada Mukherjee. Do you still get stage fright? Yes, 100%. Okay. Okay. Every single time? <laughs> No, 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 but just, yeah, every now and then. Okay, cool. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is one thing that's non-negotiable in your morning routine? Um, sitting and doing my practice. What little pleasure brings you immense joy in your life? Um, Honestly, like just after a long day, just being able to be at home in your own home, sit on the couch with my wife and just watch a fun show and eat home cooked food. That's a really simple pleasure. Do you resonate the most with fire, water, earth or air? I would have to say water. What is something you cannot live without? Um, my mantra, that's for sure. What is something you want to live without? Um, that's a good one. Something I want to live without? Taxes. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a great answer. What's your favorite meal right now? Uh, my favorite meal is dinner right now. But, but what? I'm What's for dinner? <laughs> I'm usually a brunch guy. Oh, 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 I thought you meant like favorite time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> favorite meal. Well, I'm, I've, it's, it's funny because we've recently cut out sugar, like mm. all sugar. Like we're not even eating like rice. Oh, boy. Um, so right now, um, my favorite meal is like quinoa with like ginger greens, some beans and avocado on mm. top. Yeah, that's clean. So from everything I, from my perception, I should say, of mm-hmm. musicians is y'all like you so dive deep into your music and you can just get so lost in it that you like forget to eat. And you that's just. That's true. Are you like that or are you super 100%. like. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, my wife will be like, have you even had a glass of water today? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Good for her. I'm sure she has to, not has to, but I'm sure she looks out for you in those ways. Oh, 100%. Wishes you. That's sweet. I love that. Um, what is something that everyone should try at least once in their life? Um, uh, everybody should try at least once in their life. Um... I don't know. Gosh, that's a hard one. 
Oh, once in their life. Uh, I don't know. I, my mind is drawing a blank. I don't. I'm not going to get that virtual high five. <laughs> <laughs> you Pat, get the virtual back. high five because I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just going <laughs> to <laughs> come back. Come back to that one, okay. please. Sorry. What, what, what does the world need more of? Oh, that world needs more. Um, it needs more tolerance. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Tolerance. Um, what? Now I'm done with my questions, but now I'm just looking around my apartment because I want to keep going <laughs> asking you things. I'm trying to think of a simple question to ask you. Oh, what's your favorite kind of tea? I'm drinking tea. That's what I'm asking. Favorite kind of tea? I like just ginger tea, like ginger lemon. Mm. Yeah, I'm a singer, so you know, I I like to just something that helps my voice. Do you drink coffee? Are you caffeine? I I don't drink any caffeine. Oh, no, you're caffeine free. Okay, that's that that concludes the quick fire round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was fun. That was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your light and your love with all of us at the Mind Body Musings podcast. And I just hope everyone that listens to the show will go and get tickets so they can have this yeah. awesome, intimate experience with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Everyone, like I said, all the show notes and the links for this episode will be on my website, maddiemoon.com slash trevor-hall. Otherwise, you can go look up episode 190. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you guys next Wednesday. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.